listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Thanks, Jason. Good to be with Jason back seeing Kim and we were with the lead team. I don't know what you guys call it. Lead team. Good. I I guessed right. Yeah, so we had a day together thinking through some stuff. Hey, but before we start, I just thought um, this is a family that gets, I mean, with that last song, just like, wow, that, that's what you guys believe? You believe that stuff? What? Would you stand for a second? So here you're going to, we're all in the minute, would you, you got, no, stand means like get up, right? Here we go. Come on, bring it. What I want you to do is I want you to turn to somebody, we're going to, we're would you agree with me? We're all in the ministry. So I would rather than me just be up here talk for a second. Would you become a blessing and just say this to a couple people around you? I bless you in the name of the miracle worker this morning. Just turn to a few people. I bless you in the name of the miracle worker. Come on. Right on. All right, receive it. You may be seated. That's good. There's something powerful about blessing. Would you agree with me? There's power in our words when it comes from a heart that's informed by the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about some ways you can put that into practice. But my wife and I are part of a, of a, a missional organization called Novo. And so we do this. We come alongside leaders and teams and establish churches and help people that are on mission start new churches. And we come encourage, we train, we coach, and we, just, we love the life that Jesus has, has called us to in this season of our life. After 35 years of planting churches and leading churches and training leaders, now we, we get to, uh, to lead some teams. We have teams all over the world, literally all over the world, and they're um, working in cities like you guys are. They're loving on their neighbors. They're finding places to um, serve and to make friends of people that are far from God, to lead them into relationship with God. And then they start new expressions of church that are culturally relevant. And we get to just watch God do this stuff. So when we came here, we, we, we were here the uh, same weekend, believe it or not. It was Daylight Savings. 2017, like, what is the chance, Jason, that we would pick this same thing? Uh, and here we are. So we were tired then, we're tired now. And, uh, but I love this, the narrative of your story that God has had you on, this trajectory of, of, of chasing Jesus and, and letting him lead you into the nooks and crannies of your culture and all the ways that you are beginning to explore that. And what, I'm, what I sense when I was sitting with the leaders uh, yesterday is that we're hungry for more. Amen? How many know that it's great what we got, but there's more? And that's always going to be true uh, when we're followers of Jesus Christ. There's, there's always more. And so... Um, it, part, of, part of what might encourage you, might not, but it, if it does, uh, Jill and I do a, a, a regular newsletter, 
and we tell stories, and your story will be in probably our next newsletter. So if you would like, if you'd like to um, you know, follow some stories, and then this is the other thing we love, is if, if, if there's any connection you know, with what we're doing, this is what we also love, is you be one of our prayer partners. And you could link up with us as we say, hey, we're heading to this part of the world. Oh man, when I know that we're being backed in prayer, that means a lot, and then it's meant a lot many, many times. So we have a little prayer card if you'd like to get one. My wife's right there, Jill. Wave your hand. There she is. And uh, we'd love to give that to you and you can get in touch with us and we'll, we'll shoot it off to you. All right. So today I want to talk about, about what it is that Jesus has made possible and how we can link up with it for the sake of one another and the city to, in, in which you know, God has called you guys primarily. I mean, it's to, I, I love the passage you read. It's, it's, you'll receive power, this promise of Jesus. But it was power with a purpose. Can I hear an amen? It wasn't just power as an end in itself. It was power with a purpose. You'll be my witnesses. But then he goes on and says, you'll be my witnesses in Redlands and in California, in the United States, and to every nation of the world. Amen? So like we are global believers, but we do have a sense of, of really... Uh, primary responsibility for our backyard, our neighbors, and our city, and to take that very seriously. So today, I want to I want to talk about the DNA, basically, of a real disciple or of a real church. Like, because we get how many know that not all families are the same. Raise your hand if that's like a really big thing. I mean, you walk down this, you walk down your street, and you look, and you see you see this family, and they're you know they're out standing on the porch, all holding hands, right? No, that doesn't happen. But like, you can say that family. They're close, they chat, they play, and you go to another family and you're screaming and pots and pans being thrown. How many know that there's more than one kind of family in the city of Redlands, right? Yeah, there's like, would you agree with me, there's functional families, and what's the possibility? Dysfunctional families. You know, do how, the, how they talk, how they, how they speak the truth, how they, how they forgive, all that stuff makes for a, the kind of the family uh, atmosphere to which you can feel it, right? You can feel it, you can know it. Isn't it true also of churches? How many know that sometimes churches aren't perfect? Come on, just let's, anybody know that? Yeah, yeah. And, um, and yet there is like this core thing of what a real church is, that scripture, like we don't have to guess and like, hope that we're doing it. We actually have revelation as to what makes for a functional family, what makes for a healthy person, what makes for a healthy church of, uh, from God's perspective, his scorecard. How do you know on earth sometimes we have a scorecard that doesn't make any sense in heaven? Like in, on earth sometimes I think, some people think big is always better. How many know that big is not always better, right? So I want you to turn with me to a passage that I think it gets after this thing. Like, what's at the core? If you removed everything and just said, what is, from God's perspective, a disciple that reflects the heart of God for what it means to be a, a, a vibrant, fruitful follower of Jesus? And then what is a church? If you removed everything and it was just like the essence was left, I think this passage gets at it. It's crazy. Mark 3. And it is early. I mean, this is before there you know, were any, anything like what we call church now. This is when it was just raw Jesus and a few buddies, okay? But it gets us to the core. Without all the stuff we've added, how many know we've added a few things over 2,000 years? Yeah, so, but if you removed all that extra, maybe it's good, but it's 
maybe at the end of the day, non-essential compared to the core, what is there at core? What's DNA of a disciple? What's DNA of church? What's essential? And I love it, what Jesus says. Mark chapter 3, verse 13. Jesus, also what I love about this is Jesus doesn't ask us to do a kind of approach to God in life that he himself doesn't live. It says in verse 13, Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. So what did he do on the mountainside? He was going, this was his pattern. He would, he would um, before a, a mission, before ministry, he would get, a, get apart and be with God. So he's on a mountainside, he's praying. He's praying and he's listening. He's listening to God, he gets his assignment, he goes down in verse 14, he appointed 12, and this is what they were meant to do. This is the life he was calling, that they might be, what's your Bible say? With him, and that he might what? Send them. With him, and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out uh, demons. Lord, I pray this, this simple verse would land on us in a way that we could really remember and live from it in these days, in the name of Jesus. Okay, I'm gonna give you the whole sermon in five words. Let's, let's see if we can memorize it. Together, say that with me. Together. With, God, with God, on mission. Ready? Together, with God, on mission. Say it without me now. Let's bow in prayer. That's today's sermon. Together with God on mission. You guys have prioritized family. It's one of the values that you've had. That you've, you, you notice that life is better together. Together. There's something in us instinctively that knows together is better than alone. How many know, though, that there are a lot of people experimenting to see if they can pull off life in isolation? There's a lot of loneliness. There's a lot of of discouragement and pain because I've been, if I've been wounded in relationship, it makes sense to avoid it. But the very thing I need is a relationship to be healed is the thing I avoid. So I stay stuck in this place that feels safer than the experiment of community. And yet there's this God who, who's there to heal all that. Amen. And you guys are that kind of family to provide it for a culture that's fatherless in many ways, it's, that's missing like the health of, of relationships that they can be counted on. And yet, here in this text, Jesus, can you imagine, I mean, Jesus was God incarnate, and yet he picks 12 knuckleheads to do life with. How many know that the church is made up of a couple knuckleheads? And how many know that Jesus picked 12 and one of them's name was what? How many know that there's a Judas in every family? Come on, be honest right now. And sometimes that's me and sometimes that's you. Right? Together. Together, not with perfect people except for Jesus, but every other family since the creation of time has always had stuff that required all kinds of things like confession, forgiveness, patience, right? Can I hear an amen? Is that true also of church? Yeah. Right. As soon as you're looking for the perfect church and you visit it, it's not anymore, right? I mean, that's the, that's the deal. I, 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 together, I mean, that is the way we're going to do life. To, together, not as an end in itself. That's part of what makes things unhealthy when together is an end in itself, right? 
I mean, when I'm uh, connecting with somebody because I'm lonely and loneliness connects with loneliness, guess what you get? You get enmeshment. Loneliness to loneliness is like codependency. Loneliness to loneliness can be control. Loneliness to loneliness, you know, connecting out of the glue of the yuck of like, I am so needy. Ooh, needy. Let me connect with needy. Needy with needy is yucky. But rather, you know, my life with God connecting with your life with God and, you know, and, 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 and there's, a, there's a sense of, of something beyond just connecting that is beyond it. Like we are together for a reason, right? You're going to get my spirit, not just as an end in itself, but it's going to propel you into, mi- into mission. I, I, I can imagine the protest of, of Adam, you know, in uh, Genesis 1 and 2, we have this story of creation. And, and then, man, man, he, he creates Adam. And, 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 uh, and it's like, this is so great. And Adam's walking and talking with God. And God's walking and talking with Adam. And, and one day, chapter 2, it says that God realized, whew, it's not good for man to be what? Alone. It, it would be better for him to be together with somebody. And notice when he created Eve, he didn't say, you know, let's create, let's see, how should this thing work? Okay, I'm going to take a piece of his foot, and I'm going to create a woman. Did he do that? No. He, he wasn't putting the man over a woman. He, he didn't take a piece of his skull and create woman so that man would be under woman. Where did he take the, the bit that he made Eve? The side. From the side that they would be alongside one another. Together. Together. And we come, turn with me to uh, how this together thing works. Turn with me to Hebrews. Hebrews is a great, great summary of how this together thing works in the body of Christ. And uh, the writer's talking about you know, what supports a life of consistency with God and, and a life that actually makes a difference in the world and, Chapter 10, verse 23, we're just jumping right in. He says, hey, family, let us together hold unswervingly to this hope we profess. What does that say? Let's not swerve in and out of following Jesus. Let's not swerve in and out of being healthy together as friends and family. No, let's, let's hold unswervingly to this hope we profess because he who promised is faithful. And let us consider It's not just going to happen. Actually, think about this. Let us consider how we may what? Spur one another on. There's some of you go, I had that gift. I am the spur in the body of Christ, right? And what this this is saying is there's a sense in which we need to think about how we can spur one another on. Onward towards love and good deeds. It's not just going to happen. How many know this about yourself like, I do about me. I can be in an inspirational setting, a retreat. We had a great day yesterday. One thing we talked about, left to ourselves, it, we will take a few notes, we'll raise our hand, we'll have a tear, and then two days later, we can't even remember it. Come on, is there anybody besides me that, that, that just this being honest, I need something more than myself to live the life that Jesus has made possible. I need to be spurred on. What does that mean? He goes on, he says, to spur on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together. There's something about, I need to meet. It's not going to haphazard. I hope it happens. It's going to be intentional. 
as some, some are in the habit of not making it intentional, it is haphazard, but look, encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approach. Encouraging, putting courage in one another. Because why? I lack courage sometimes. I don't need another lesson most of the time. I've read a lot of books. What I need is a, I need a, a dose of courage that comes from being encouraged by a, a, a friend or a family member. Amen? We need each other to live this life, the together life. So say it with me, together, together. With, God. with God, on mission. That's the whole outline. You got five words for a whole sermon right there. But the, do you see the importance of the together part? If we're going to do with God, if we're going to do on mission as a way of life, together's got to be real. How many know you can visit a church and be in a church and be a long-term member of a church and not be together? Right? You can be in a crowd of many, many people and feel completely lonely. You can be in a big church, medium-sized church. Friends, you can be in a small group and yet not allow yourself to be spurred on toward love and good deeds. What is at the essence of community? It's the ability to be open enough so people would know how to encourage you and hold you accountable because they know your story and your desire and what you want and what you're going after. Amen? Amen? So someplace, somewhere I've known. Here's my challenge to you. What is, this is great, but what besides this Sunday gathering, where is there two to three people that know you well enough that they they know what you're going after and they could encourage you? And in a loving, not judgmental way, but they could also hold you accountable to the promise you've made yourself, maybe to somebody else, and to Jesus. Do you have that person in mind? I want you to think about that with me. Part of the, I'm going to call it the, the five-week experiment. I'm, I'm going to invite you to consider a five-week experiment. What's happening in five weeks from this day? What's that? Easter. Is that that's an important day. And I thought, it takes about five weeks to start a new habit, you know, to really get it integrated into your life. What if for five weeks you met at least once a week, either connected, you know, at a coffee shop, or you connected by, uh, you know, a phone, or, or some way or another, you connected intentionally for the sake of encouragement and accountability over the next five weeks, first to go after a couple things that are important to you that we're going to talk about right now. That sound like an idea? You, some of you already got it in place to go, okay, well, if you already have that, you already have a weekly connection with a couple friends, this together thing, then I'm going to give you a couple ideas of what you could do to say, hey, how you doing on this or that? Here's the second thing. When they uh, were called to Jesus, uh, they came to him, they, together, now they're together, and now he's going to give them a couple challenges, what they're going to do together. He called them, and he appointed, um, he appointed 12 that they might be with him. I, I want a with God kind of life. Amen? A with God kind of life. There's just a different quality than when I'm, I'm living off of somebody else's fumes of their life with God, that I have my own with God kind of life. Right? Like I'm getting direct from God, His voice and presence, as opposed to hopefully getting it from a podcast or 
of Sunday experience, which we're grateful for the support and encouragement that that provides. But this is not, he didn't call them to a podcast. He didn't call them to a program. He called them to be with him. The together we're talking about to support a with God kind of life. Jesus, again, does not call us to something, and he does call us to follow him, that he doesn't himself practice. If you're in Mark, go back to just chapter 1 and look at verse 35. Let's see the habit of Jesus. This is something that other parts of the gospel, the story of Jesus, those narratives, it says that this was kind of like his habit. He did this like often. Verse 35, chapter 1. Very early in the morning. How early in the morning? Okay, very early in the morning. How early was that? Well, while it was still dark. That's how very early it was. Jesus got up. I mean, Jesus slept. He was tired. How many of you have ever been tired, right? (laughs) And getting up at all is hard. How about very early? How about when it's still dark early? All that the writer's trying to do is say, Jesus picked a time that worked for what he wanted to do. It was very early in the morning. He left the house and went off to a, what kind of place? It was, we got the time and we got a place, a solitary place. The time and the place were important, and why the writer puts it in here is because the time and place you try to do with God in the morning matters, right? How how many of solitary means by yourself? Very early means it's probably going to be what? Quiet. And I know know a lot of you have had kids, you have kids. How many know that it's not easy when it's loud and all the stuff that has to, you have to like be intentional about two things, time and place. If you're going to even get five minutes. Can I hear an amen? Amen, amen right? And, so, and Jill and I learned through the years, we, we not only time and place was important for us to figure out, we had to sometimes help each other have that time and place because we have three kids and um, their, their need didn't correspond with the time and place, you know, that mom or dad had. So sometimes mom and dad had to step in and protect time and, and place that, um, especially that was, Jill gave that to me so, so, uh, so generously. But we learned like, that's, that's really not fair for me not to provide that for her. So we, we would set those times apart, time and place where she could be alone and read the word and pray. And that's what Jesus did. So he had this time, he had this place, and, and where he, he prayed, he did his with God. He was, he was dependent on the Father, like you and I are. I wonder what he did when he prayed. Well, we know um, from just the example of Jesus, he talked to his Father, right? He shared stuff with him. Man, I mean, Gethsemane, whew, that was raw honest, right? Dad, are you sure? Really? Is there any other way? I mean, don't you love it that when we go to prayer, you can be raw honest? You can, you can just share from your gut, your heart, not what you're supposed to pray, but what's really in you, right? Read the Psalms. Woo, man. The, the stuff that's in here gets, the thing is it doesn't stay in there because through prayer, the psalmist gets it up and out, gives it to God. And then they, they start off as a mess. Man, I'm so upset about all these people. I don't like their kids. I don't like anything about them. I just wish you'd like. And then all of a sudden you, you keep reading. It's like, and Lord, I just worship you and may your peace come to 
You think, how did that happen? Prayer. There's something about getting it up and sharing and, and calling, calling out to, to God. And we're not left alone in this whole thing of prayer. The disciples are like, watch Jesus pray. And they get, they, they're like, dude, you see, Jesus prays and stuff happens. How many of you like to pray and have stuff happen? Well, we've been called into that kind of same life where that is true. It's been made possible for us. But we, we, need, we need to, you know, my suggestion is, is if we want to pray powerfully out and about, we need to pray when there's no one looking at us. In just some way. I'm not saying long. Long is great when you can do long. But a consistent wins every day over one day of long. I don't know, Jason, if you, I was listening to the vocabulary of a couple things you said. Do you use the Lectio 365? How many of you know about Lectio 365? Raise your hand. Okay, Jason's the only hand up in the house. All right. So Jill, Jason, and I use a little app called Lectio 365. I, write it down. I mean, write Lectio, L-E-C-T-I-O. It's an app on your, you can Apple or Google or whatever uh, apps will have it. It's called Lectio 365. And I'm not putting the bar super high when I say that, but I'm telling you, it is amazing eight minutes. About, right? Am I right? Around eight minutes. And you have an experience of the word and prayer, and they just guide you. It is it, is let, it was created by the people that have been doing 24-7 prayer for decades. These people pray. They pray for cities and nations, and it's a movement across our world of a way to do a with God kind of life. And it's eight minutes that's so powerful for me. It's seven days a week, eight minutes. So this is, this is what my suggestion is. What if... I'm not saying, I'm, you know, for the rest of your life, but try it. Would you try it for, for, for five weeks? <laughs> try it through Easter. And then if it's, if it's just like doesn't work, then give, but don't, try it for five weeks. How many of you say, I can do anything for five weeks for eight minutes a day? Raise your hand, come on. Like half of you. The other half of you are going, I didn't need to raise my hand. I'm already, already, I'm already on to it, right? You have your own way. I, you don't have to use Lectio 365. You have your own way. But what if for five weeks we said, it doesn't have to be long, but I'm going to give myself time to be in the presence of God, to hear his word and to pray. Amen? Amen. One of the other verses that support this with God kind of life is, I mean, you can, you can how many know you can do a, a, a devotion and it be legalistic and you not really connect with God at all? Well, I read a whole bunch of chapters. Yeah, did you ever connect your heart. I don't think long and not connect with God is what's celebrated in heaven. It's the reality that there was a connection at your heart level with a God who loves you, short or long. One of the things I love is it's not just about the moment in the morning. It's about the momentum of walking with God all day long. So one of my favorite verses that talk about this is what David says in Psalm 16 verse 8. He says this, this is, he goes, this is what's true of me, man. I've learned, I've had to do this. I have, I have set my heart always before the Lord. He says, I have set my heart always before the Lord. What, that always word I love. It means that it's not just in the morning, but I'm, I'm having remembrances through the day where I recall myself back to the reality that God is with me and the God who's with me loves me, Right? What are some ways you 
cannot just be, have a with God kind of life for eight minutes a day, which is awesome to set the day, to set the tone. But what could be for you, like our friends that live in monastic communities, or like um, we were with uh, Jody and Brian, we stayed at their house, and they have a, have you, some of you have been to their house, they have a huge clock. Yeah, grandfather clock, and that thing is awesome. It's like, well, I've, I've spent a fair amount of time on, in monastic communities, and they have the, the ringing of the bell. And what the ringing of the bell is, is to call your heart, your, your heart attention back to the reality that God is with us. And we remember God. What could help us, you know, because if, say, at, at, at 7 a.m., you had eight minutes that you remembered God. How many know you forget God every night? You wake up. To you get a chance to remember him. Come on, be honest. So we remember God. Oh, yeah, that's right. God loves me. God is with me. Ooh, it's good. But what about at 9 o'clock, right? Or 12? What might be some ways to remember what God is, is, has been putting into your heart? And some of you have, have ways to do that. Like just a, maybe just, again, a little... Ding, on your on your watch wouldn't be too distracting or a little post-it note or when it's time for lunch you just said at lunch I'm going to give myself one minute to think and remember God right somehow that we've realized it's more than just once a week can I hear an amen, amen. it's I mean and once a morning is great but God hasn't called us to visit his presence he's called us to live in light of his presence I don't want to just visit his presence. I want, to, I want to abide in his presence. Those who abide have the fruitful life. So here we go. Here's the sermon outline. Together. What's the next point? Okay, here we go. On mission. Back to the Mark 1. Or, or I'm sorry, Mark 3. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that they might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. This is what Jesus was saying to his, his first followers. Look, you, you're, you've got a together life, a life that's with God. You have to have with God to have, be guided, and you have to be with God to have the power to do the on-mission bit. Hear what I said? We need together to be encouraged and held accountable. We need to be with God to have guidance and power to do this third part. On mission. Now, for those, those disciples, this is what he said to them. I want you to go out and, this is what he told them. I want you to say what I've been saying. I want you to do what I've been doing. That's what he said to his first disciples, his first followers. Guess what he says to you and me? It didn't change. It's like, you know, that was for them. And then, you know, we, we read, is, show me the, the, like the, the, the verses that says, and in you know 2020 we we get a miniature holy spirit with a miniature assignment now you know what he says he calls us together he says come on you need each other to encourage each other hold each other accountable i want you i want you mission to have a with god kind of life where you get because you're hanging with god you get a download of guidance and you get his power for this next bit cuz you are called to be on mission. Everybody gets to play. It's not just a couple people that stand up here in the front. It's not people who have training or have a title. 
Everybody in the body of Christ gets to be sent out. Amen? Amen. That's the plan. We are, it's not we do mission, we are missionaries and it flows from the essence of our identity. And be, when we hang out together with God, guess what? It gets, how many, the world is really big. Redlands is really big. But when we are together with God, he can narrow it down to an assignment that's your size. Friends, they, they were sent out to minister in word, tell people about the truth, and deed, demonstrate the reality of what you announce. What are you announcing? Jesus is good, he's powerful, and he's come, and he's available. That's a great message. But not just a message, it was also a ministry. Not just words, it was works. It was not just declaration, it was demonstration. Friends, you and I need to recapture that. That wasn't just for them and there. That's for us here and for the sake of this city. You guys are together with God. But friends, you are on mission. You are on mission. And it's how cool is it that Jill and I could be, I don't know if you guys do a little update on the school bit regularly, but I am so glad we were here when we got to hear that today. I, I think heaven is proud of a church that actually tangibly, regularly, consistently understanding that part of you're gonna ever win relational equity, you gotta serve. But that somehow God has, you know, out of all the places and all the opportunities, the school got on your radar. And you're showing up week after week after week. And you know what? It's going to wear down the enemy's grip on that place. But I want, I'm just wondering, is, is the mission big enough for more than that one assignment? Is it possible that all of us have an opportunity that we, just, we, just, we haven't quite yet stepped into it, that opportunity to be with a couple friends together and to do a bit of with God together to get an assignment that might be really, really passionate. Like the school, some of you like wake up in the morning, you think, oh, I can't wait. That's just got my name all over it. My heart's all over that. There's some of you that do it because you're part of the family, right? It's not vision or, or passion driven. It's family, do it together driven. How many know that that's okay? That is totally legal. Right? But I'll tell you what, there's probably a vision or a passion in some of you that might be different than that school. You can keep supporting the, the school thing and I'm gonna suggest you look at your neighborhood as, your, as one of your, for the next five weeks. Here you go, ready? The next five weeks. What if you looked at your neighborhood as your mission field? Try it for five weeks. So it's the together, we're going to ask God, who can I connect with weekly? The with God, a time each morning, maybe using the, at least the, the uh, Lectio 365, that was our little experiment with that. But what about if, we, if, if right now, right now, in fact, I'm gonna, let's do it right now. Close your eyes just for a sec. Let's just see what happens. Close your eyes. Now open the eyes of your heart. And you're in your home. And you had some friends and you decided we're going to go on mission. Together we decided that. And we're gonna encourage each other and hold each other accountable for five weeks. 
And um, we've prayed, and, and uh, we decided that the people that live across the street and to our right and to our left and those surrounding our home, um, that's going to be our mission field for five weeks. So I want you to, in your imagination, I want you to walk to your front, to your front door and just step out and look across the street and to the right and to the left. And some of you, man, you, you, you have... Um, you know all the names. You know all the names of those. There's some of you who don't know um, all the names. Some, maybe somebody doesn't know any of the names. You just moved there, and you're like, Jill and I, we just moved in a new neighborhood, and it's like, wow. We're in a neighborhood. We don't, we don't know our neighbor's names. So for five weeks, what if, what if you prayer walked, you know, a few times a week around your home and spoke blessing over those homes? And if you had the chance, I mean, oh, people love to, you know, we, we isolated people love to kind of avoid, but what if they were out working in there? What if you had a chance to get to know your neighbor's names in the next five weeks? What if you're just open as part of mission? Can you, can you look and just look at that neighbor, you see, you see them drive up and you've talked to them a few times, maybe you don't know their name. Do you know that? Right now, as you stand and you're looking across the street at those homes and to your right and to your left, right now you're being missional if you're caring about what you're looking at. Do you know it's missional to get to know your neighbor's names? You're on mission? You say, why? You can open your eyes. Why is that on mission? As you were gazing across the street and you... And you thought of those people and say you didn't know their name many of you do know but say you didn't knowing their name is the first thing and then becoming a friend do you know who leads people into the kingdom of God not strangers 98% of people who enter the kingdom of God are introduced to Jesus through a neighbor I mean through a friend or to a, from a family member friend or family member Friends, how about for five weeks we do together with God on mission? How does that sound? And how about, how about asking the team, if you know the team leaders the, 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 of this church about what they're, what they're thinking about, and you guys start a conversation about this being something that you take seriously as a church. And I want to pray for you as you guys, this, call it an experiment. Everybody can do an experiment. Let's see what happens if we do it. How about, would, would you agree with me it'd be super cool if on Easter, because you did a together with God on mission, some of you in praying for your neighborhood and all that would take advantage of the fact that Easter is the single most easy day to invite anybody to a setting where the gospel is preached of all year. There's no other day that even comes remotely close to the openness, not yet believers, pre-believers, and de-churched people would ever think to come to a gathering of Christians. Guess what day it is? One time a year you get Easter. That's in five weeks. What if you had an experiment for five weeks together with God on mission? Would you stand? Let's close. podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.